chapter 9, starting verse 18. It says, While he spoke these things to him, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. He said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but the crowd was put outside. He went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all of the land. What's going on in this story? Uh, As we're going through this part of Matthew, what we see is just Jesus being Jesus, man. He's going to town and people's lives are changing. He, he's there and there's a ruler and the ruler comes and says, hey, my, my daughter has just died. Put your hand on her. And Jesus comes and, uh, and hears what he's going to say. So he goes to, excuse me, so Jesus goes to go to his daughter. And as he's going, there's a woman that comes and she's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And so she runs through the crowd and she grabs onto the garment of Jesus so that she could be healed. Jesus shows up to this house where the girl is dead and the, uh, People are there and he says, would you guys just make some room, please? Because I want to heal this girl. And so then they heal her. She ridicules him. And then the story goes, what are we talking about today? When Jesus comes into people's lives, it gets better, not worse. Amen. Jesus saves us from our sins, but our actual quality of life gets better when Jesus comes into our lives. Blessings of God are promised all throughout Scripture that God will bless His people. This is truth. This is scriptural. This is what the Bible says. But we must make room for Jesus. That's the title of the sermon today. Make room for Jesus. Because if we want to see God move, we want to see Jesus move in our lives, we've got to have Him have the room to be able to do that. Uh, do, Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe that he will do for other people, that he will do it for you and have you had room for him? Let's get into this. So at the beginning of this story, what we see is we see this ruler comes in to worship Jesus. And before he even asks him for anything, he worships him first. And I, and, and I think it's an interesting part of the story that this guy is worshiping Jesus and Jesus lets him worship him. Why? Because Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus would not receive worship if he was not worthy of worship. People that say that Jesus was just a good man do not understand his headship, his godship, who he was. He was God in the flesh. He doesn't say, don't worship me, I'm not God. He receives that worship because he was God in the flesh. And so uh, let's join the story in verse 18. It says, and while he spoke these things to him, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. See, what had happened is, is that whoever this ruler was, he had saw and heard of Jesus, and he put his faith in Jesus that he could heal his daughter. This man, however powerful and influential he may have been, the Bible says he was a ruler. The power of his rulership was not enough to fix the problem that he had, which that his daughter had died. And he said, I don't know who's going to be able to do it in my life, but I've heard of this Jesus. I've seen this Jesus and I'm going to go to him. I know that my daughter will live. He says, she will live. Put your hand on her and she will live. The, the, the Bible doesn't 
wouldn't say it, but I'd like to think that people back then had a working knowledge of what Old Testament scriptures were. were. In Psalm 42, it says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. I hope in some way that this ruler had heard scripture or a new scripture or that he knew the nature and character of God because he wouldn't have came and worshiped Jesus if he didn't believe that there was some sort of deification upon him. And so he comes to Jesus and he worships him and he says, you know what, Jesus, just come, just come and lay your hand on my daughter. And I know that she will live. I know it. This man knew that he needed to put his faith in Jesus. And it was Jesus. And watch this, because this is, this is the important part of the story. He wasn't even believing for himself. He was believing for somebody else. He said, there's somebody else in my life that needs what Jesus has. And so I'm going to believe in faith. I'm going to have my faith to believe for a dead person that can't believe for themselves. I'm going to believe that Jesus, if you would lay your hand on them, they would be made well. There's a sermon in there somewhere. It was for someone else. He believed, he believed for someone else's miracle. A dead person that had no life that couldn't believe for themselves. They, they didn't have it inside of themselves to believe. Why? Because they're dead. If they're dead, people can't believe for themselves. But this ruler says, I know that my daughter is dead. If I bring Jesus into the equation, if he lays his hand on her, she will live. Job 42.10 says, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as, twice as much as he had before. Are you praying for your friends and family? Are you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, those of you that are here this morning, that are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, are you appropriating the power of Jesus upon other people's lives by believing for them? Because there's dead people out there. There's people out there that can't believe for themselves. They don't know Jesus. They're, they're dead and gone. You've got a corner on the truth. You know the truth. You should be believing in faith for them, believing that God can and will do something for them. Amen. How many of you are at church on Wednesday night? Amen. Man, it's good church on Wednesday worship night. If you don't come on Wednesdays, man, you're missing out. And that's the manna. It's leftovers. I'm good preaching and serving. And I remember we prayed for Denisha. Remember that? And I was talking to Nick on uh, Thursday. Why? Because I was working on this sermon. And because and uh, for those of you that know, his wife had to have heart surgery. And so they're going to try to do it when they had to do it the hard way and crack open her sternum and go in and, uh, and go on her heart. And I was working on this sermon. I said to Nick, I said, man, Nick, I've been praying for Denatia this whole entire day. How many of y'all prayed for Denatia that day? Man, I was earnestly praying. Gosh, man, earnestly. And I said to Nick, I said, Nick, she will live. I said, she will live. We are believing in faith that she will live. You know, his wife was so full of faith before she went into the surgery. She said, Nick, Nick, go on that mission trip to Mexico this weekend. I'll take care of this. He's literally in Mexico building a house right now this weekend. His wife's having open heart surgery. Why? Because she will live. She will live. I was, I was literally weeping over Denatia, praying for her. And I'm her pastor, some lowly pastor. How much you think Nick was believing for his own wife? 
How hard do you think he was praying, Lord? I know that you can do it. She's under the anesthesia. She's on the on the on the bed in her chest. She can't pray for herself. But we're believing for her. We're believing. Jesus, we know you can do it. Jesus, we know that you can touch her. She will live. She will live. James 5.16 says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I'm not exactly sure what that fervent prayer looks like, but I believe that it's powerful. Amen. Paul admonished Timothy to pray, to believe and pray for all men. This is scriptural. This is Bible. This is who we are. 1 Timothy 2, 1, therefore I exhort first of all that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That's what he told Timothy to do. It's in Ephesians as well. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Friend, there are people who either can't or won't believe for themselves that you need to believe for them. You just do. Why? Because either they're dead or they don't believe or they don't understand. But you know, you know what Jesus is able to do. And so in those moments, you stand in the gap and you go to Jesus and say, Lord, would you do this for my friend? Would you do this for my family member? Would you do this miraculous thing for them and pray they will live? They will live. I know you can do it, Jesus. Did Jesus say, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son? See, I'm just dumb enough to believe that scripture. I believe that Jesus hears my prayers. I put my faith in him. I believe that he can and he will move in people's lives. I know it because I've seen it. And so when I see a need, I just say, Lord, would you move in this area? God, would you touch this person? Would you deliver them? And there's a reason why Jesus said, pray for even your enemies. Quit worrying about whether or not someone deserves the blessings of God. Pray for them even more if they don't believe, if they don't deserve the blessings of God. Then maybe they get something good in their lives. They, 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 they Then they're opened up to Jesus being able to speak in their lives. They get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you for myself, man, I've seen many seasons in my life where the devil has taken up mission on my wife. We've been married, uh, we've been married for almost 23 years. And, uh, I don't know why, man, Uh, for whatever reason, uh, the devil always tries to get to me through my wife and and like, and and it's her body issues and everything else that we've just dealt with in our marriage. And some of you guys have heard some of these stories and she's, I mean, a lot of ways, she's a better Christian than me. And she, she knows the Bible better than all these things. She far exceeds anything I could ever become. But for some reason, when that stuff happens, and I don't know why, but, but it never breaks when she, when she does it for herself. But when I go to fasting for my wife, it breaks. And there's been many a times where I was like, I just, I just get done with it. I'm like, that's it. I'm fasting. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm fasting for three days. We're done with this. You're not doing this anymore. Devil get off my wife. And I just go into a spirit of fasting for three days and then it breaks. It does it. I mean, we've seen it happen many times. And again, when I say these things, I don't want you guys to get this thing like, oh man, it's so spiritual. I'm really not that spiritual. I'm not. I'm just, I'm I'm like, I'm trying to teach you guys how to break darkness in your life. I want you to get something in your brain and say, you know what, man, if if that's what Pastor Matt does, like, I'm going to try that next time. Something come and have in my life. There's someone in my life that needs a healing. If there's someone in my life that needs to get delivered, I'm going to go to prayer. I'm going to go to fasting. I'm going to, I'm going to see it, see that yoke of bondage be broken. Amen. 
Romans 12, 12 says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Friend, believe for others. Pray for them. Bring them to Jesus in faith. Just say, you know what, man? I just got to get them to where Jesus is and I'm going to see what Jesus will do. I'm just going to believe that Jesus can and will. I believe that he's a rewarder. I believe that Jesus is a blesser. I know that he can heal them. I know that he can set them free. Now, here's the second part of this. The second part of this story is great, and you've probably heard it before. Mark actually does a better job of describing it, but, you know, Matthew did it. He, he tried. Um, <laughs> verse 20, it says, And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. I shall be made well. So it goes from the ruler that says she will live, believing for somebody else. And then it goes into the woman with the issue of blood, and then, and then it becomes internal. It says, she says, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well at that hour. Now, a few things about this part of uh, the scripture don't understand it. She had been infirm. She was a woman with an issue of blood, if you know what I'm saying. For 12 years, man, that's a, that's a long time to have an issue of blood. So she was infirmed, uh, and, and that's, that's part of the story. Uh, but, but the other part of it is, is that she kind of had this false superstition about Jesus's power. Remember, what the Bible describes is not what the Bible prescribes all the time. And so when, the, when they're talking about it, and, and, and there's not really anywhere else where a person that ran up to Jesus touched the hem of his garment, she, she didn't really understand how it all worked. Yeah. And so she kind of had this false superstition that I don't know if that was common in that place uh, during that time or whatever, but she had this superstition of like, I, I just need to touch his garment. I just need to touch that part. And I know that, that that's going to be enough for me to get healed. But what she didn't understand is that Jesus operates just from a position of, do you have faith in me? She, she doesn't have to fully understand Jesus to understand what he can do. She doesn't have to understand the scriptures to understand that the power's in Jesus. And even though I might go to him in a way that, that may not be completely clear to anybody else, I know that that's where I need to be. I need to be with Jesus. I know that Jesus is the one that can heal me. I know that Jesus is the one. See, she, she had belief in Jesus without understanding. Did, did you know that you can still see Jesus move without fully understanding what he's capable of doing? You can say, man, I don't know much about him, but I heard, I have heard about him and I know that he's powerful and I know he can, he can do big things because I've heard about it. And even if I can't recite all the scriptures and I can't explain the theology, what I know is that Jesus can and will do it for me. Amen. You, you can have faith in Jesus without fully understanding Jesus. You can just know he's powerful. You can just say, man, I know this Jesus guy, he's powerful. I know that he can do it. Psalm 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My, my heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song, I will praise him. This woman, after 12 years of dealing with a hemorrhage, goes to Jesus and much like the ruler, this was her last ditch effort. Can you imagine how many times she went to some false doctor or some false religion? I'm sure she did it in year three, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, saying, I just want to be freed of this. 
And then she puts her faith in Jesus and she screams out, I shall be made well. I know it. I just know it. I know this Jesus can do it. I shall be made well. I won't have to deal with this anymore. I won't have to struggle anymore. I won't have to bleed anymore. I won't have to be an outcast anymore. I know Jesus can do it. I know it. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially to those who believe. Oh, I want to trust in Jesus with everything that I have. Who are you believing is going to make you well, man? You waiting, you waiting for the right politician to be elected and then your life's going to be made well? Waiting for some government program to make you well? Figure one, you know, once they clean up this problem in the city, then my life will be, maybe if I get a better job, maybe if I lived in a different state, my life might be better. If I had a different house, if I had a different car, then my life would be better. Where's your faith? Now listen, man, there's some things that can be fixed on this side of heaven, but not everything can be fixed by man. Not everything. Some things only Dr. Jesus can fix. Only Dr. Jesus can come in and make make things happen, make things be well. And I, I, I say this because you, you, most of you guys probably already know it, and I don't mean any disrespect. But I find it very interesting over, over the last period of time that two of the richest people on the planet, marriage dissolved. Billions of dollars. These, like... You know what I mean? Like these dudes literally could be like, all right, here's your allowance for this month. Here's a hundred million dollars. Can we just get along this month for a hundred million dollars? Some of you are like, I would love to try that. (laughs) Let me try that. You know what I mean? Some of you are like, gosh, let me see if I can make that work. I mean, but, but the point of it is, is that money, money can't buy happiness. Money can't fix problems. Money, money can't fix the issues that you have within yourself. Money can't fix the issues that you have within your marriage. There, there's some things only Jesus can repair. Some things you, you can only go to the cross and say, man, I shall be made well. I, I, God, you got to fix something inside of me. I've got this problem in my life. I've tried everything else. I've talked to counselors. I've talked to doctors. I've read books and I've watched movies. I've been on the internet. I've done all the search. I talked to everybody I know. I need you, Jesus. I shall be made well. I shall be made well. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And that's what he said. Can we just take Jesus at his word? Can we just believe that he can and that he will and that he's able? Can we just take him at his word? And when, when he said, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And I, and I want you to the, see, here's the part about sermons that, you, that, that I don't want you to miss. I, I, I don't come down here. and You don't come here because we just want to hear a good sermon. This sermon is meant to transform your life. It's meant to change the way that you think and you breathe and you act and you live. When, when you leave this place to apply the sermon like a salve to your, to your life. So, so if you have troubles with your health or your mind, your relationship, if you have troubles with your heart or with your soul, if you're overcome with fear, this is a time to go to Jesus and say, I shall live. I shall live. I know that he, that he can do it. Now listen, man, let me step out of the zone here for a minute. 
we, we talk about a lot about sin and repentance at this church. And so if you're here this morning, this is your first time, you might think that I'm one of those grease it up, donut feeding pe- preachers, but dude, don't get it twisted, man. You are worthless. Okay. You're a steaming pile of dung. Like you are just, you're not that good. Okay. You were dead in your transgressions and the savior came and set you free from the law of sin and death. We'll get back to that next week. You know what I mean? It'll always come back around because I love talking about sin and repentance. So please don't mishear me and think that I'm one of those guys that only wants to talk about the good stuff. But with all that being said, I really want to tell you, we do serve a right now, he will do it kind of God. I mean, I'm talking about an above and beyond. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Look at God. Like he'll do it. I have just seen it in my life. Look at God. Won't he do it? He will, man. I believe it. There's so many scriptures about blessings and good things that you can be a person that's been set free from the law of sin and death. Know that you're a sinner saved by grace and God can still show up and do great things in your life. Amen. Amen. These two stories specifically outline that Jesus does stuff in people's life just because he's a good God. Just because he's a good God. This this girl's dead. He goes, "Ah, let's make her alive. This woman's bleeding. "Ah, Let's get her to stop bleeding. I think their lives would be better because of Jesus. The daughter could have stayed dead. Jesus said no. This woman could have continued to bleed. Jesus said no. One may have been in heaven. I mean, the girl could have been in heaven. Who knows? And some of y'all self-righteous religious types, what about her sin problem? What, what, about, what about her sin problem? You don't know what happened in that woman's life. You don't know. Maybe, maybe she just continued to follow Jesus. Maybe because he, he solved that blood problem, then she was able to listen to that. Maybe she was at the cross. Maybe she went on to follow Jesus. I don't know. The Bible says that if all the things were written about Jesus, there wouldn't be volumes enough to hold the books. That's what it says. I do know her life was changed that day. I know that we serve a gracious, loving father that wants to take care of the details in our life. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's us. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You know, when I named this church Faith and Victory, it's because I believed it. We didn't name it Doubt and Despair. (laughs) Right? No. Maybe maybe doubt and failure. How's that? Doubt and failure. How y'all doing? Just heading down to doubt and failure, church. Good preaching down there. Are you going through life on your own and not bringing Jesus into the equation? Are you doing it on your own strength? Or are you screaming out to God, I shall be made well? Because listen to me, friend, this is the time. This is the time when you're going to be made well. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you, run to the garment of Jesus. Run to the garment of Jesus and scream, I will be made well. Go and drink from the well. Go and be healed. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he was a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I believe it, man. I really do. And I'm not saying that you won't suffer worldly affliction. I'm not saying that, man. And I'm not saying that you're not going to deal with stuff. We all deal with stuff. I mean, come on now. We all have stuff. You got some issues with your body and your brain and your finances, your house and all that. Like, whatever it is, man, we've all got issues. We do. 
but I do believe that I will see good and not evil. I really do. I believe that in my heart. I believe that God knows me and I know him and he desires good things in my life. I believe that Jesus can and will take care of me. Why? Because I've seen it throughout the last 30 years of serving him. He's never failed me and he, ha- and he won't start now. He is, he is taking care of every last detail of my life. And so I know that moving forward, he will do the exact same thing. God has answered most of my prayers and the ones that he didn't answer, he did. And he said, no, and I'm fine with it. And I'm not, please don't get, please don't hear me the wrong way. Cause sometimes you hear preachers say like, man, I'm so blessed. And you get this sense of like, must be nice. And I'm not saying it in that way. What I'm saying is, man, wake up to the reality that I am not exceptional. Cause I really don't think that I am. I, 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 I'm, I praise God and I'm blessed for my station in life. And what he allows me to do is being your pastor, but that's not why I'm blessed. That's not, it's completely disconnected to it. And, and I, I'm just trying to push you over to the edge into a life that says, you know what, man, I am done not trusting Jesus. I am done not living for him. I am done not reaching on to the hem of his garment and saying, I shall live. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. And for me, I'm not sure what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I know whose I am. I know who cares about me. I know who's watching over my life. And it's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, 1 Corinthians 2, 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And some of y'all have fallen into the wisdom of, God, wisdom of man instead of the wisdom of God. You keep waiting to see what the experts say. Waiting to see what the news say. Waiting for a new book to come out. Yeah, man. Then I'll finally know what I can do with my life. I learned this. Dude, the Bible has everything that you need for how to live this life. All the things about marriage in the Bible have applied for thousands of years. Parenting, thousands of years. Finances, thousands of years. It's all been the same. Everybody's, there's nothing new under the sun. Who are you walking in faith? Run to Jesus. Live in the power of God. Here's the third part of this sermon. Make room. Make room. Verse 23, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went out in all of the land. See, in, in the end of this story, what we see, because remember, it starts with the ruler. She shall be made well. Woman of blood, I shall be made well. Last part of the story, Jesus had left to the ruler's house. And so he goes and he arrives there. And, and this was normal during this time in that they, that, that actually the history books say that no matter how poor you were, you would still pay for a, uh, a musician and paid whalers when somebody had died. That's just what they did back then. And, and so when Jesus walks into this room, it's, it's not a party, it's a mourning, but everybody's gathered around and people are mourning and playing instruments and they're surrounded by this dead girl. And Jesus comes in and pushes through the crowd and goes, I'm about to do something here. Y'all need to make room. I can't do what I need to do with all this going on. I need you guys to spread out. I need you guys to get out of the way because I'm about to do something in this girl's life and I need room to do it. I cannot do it with all of this infernal nonsense going on. 
I need you guys to get out of the way because I'm about to do something. It's crowded. It's tight fitting. It's noisy. But I want you guys to get out of the way. I want you to make room. Now, I'm not trying to make the scripture say what it doesn't say, but the truth remains. Jesus said, make room. And then he healed the girl. Could he have just walked in and went and reached over the crowd and did it? Sure. But I wouldn't have been nearly as great of a sermon. I think that the the creator of the universe knew from the foundation of the earth, these people have to learn that if I'm going to do something in their lives, they've got to make room for me. They've got to make room. See, Jesus couldn't work in the place until they made room for him. They had to get out of the way. They had to get out of the way of their own unbelief. They had to get out of the way of their own plan. They had to get out of the way of them believing that this girl's life was over, that there was nothing that could be done. Jesus said, make room because I'm not done with this girl's life. Make room because I've got to do something inside of this family's life. And so Jesus makes room and he's able to heal this girl. And so the application goes directly to you and I of, are we making room for Jesus? Is your life so crowded that you can't make room for Jesus? Have the things of your life that are seemingly dead that you are throwing a party for merely sleeping because you haven't made room for Jesus? Are you making room for him to move? You're surrounded around this dead thing. You're saying there's nothing that can happen to this dead thing. It's dead. But you haven't made room for Jesus so he could walk in and revitalize it. That he could bring it back to life. Amen. I mean, Jesus can probably move with you in the way, but wouldn't it be better to just get out of the way and say, Jesus, have your way. Oh, I'm making room for you, Jesus. I'm, I'm making room for you to be able to do something. Let him into your cluttered, overran, overscheduled, overdrawn, physically and spiritually neglectful life and watch him move. Man, make room for Jesus. I I believe that life translates. And what does that mean? I think that if you have a messy house, you got a messy life. I think if you have a messy car, you got a messy house and then you got a messy life. I do. And then be like, man, that's so judgmental. I'm judging you. I really am. I do. I think it. And people know it. There's people that I'm like, Hey man, can I jump in the car with you? They're like, no, Uh I need an advance notice if I'm taking Pastor Matt in my car. Because they, they can see it on my face. I kind of like. <laughs> you, drive, you sit in this, right? You drive in this. Ugh. And then I'll tell you why. It's not just that it's filthy. It, it, here's what it is. People use filth and clutter to keep them from having to face what they really need to face in their life. It becomes a barrier. And, and, and so what happens is, is that you put off your chores and you put off your, and you look at the heaps of nonsense in your life. And then you say, well, well, I, I, I'm focused on this. And so when you focus on that, what happens is, is that if your life was orderly and you had all your stuff squared away and it was all dress, right, dress, and you were able to do it, then you'd have margin in your life. And if you had margin in your life, you'd actually be able to rest in the presence of God. You'd have made room for Jesus and say, I'm not hiding behind my clutter. I'm not hiding behind my schedule. I'm not hiding behind my bad budget. I'm not hiding behind my bad health. I'm not hiding behind all these other things that I have to deal with. But if I dealt with those things, then I'd be in a place where I've made room.
room for you, Jesus. Now you can speak to me. You can speak to my heart. You can do things. In the, now you can use me. You can. I've got margin in my life. Someone else needs $100 for a tire. I got an extra $100 because my budget's dialed away. Someone needs help on a Friday night. I can go help them and spend time with them because I'm not in this false uh, reality of saying, well, I've got so much to do. No, you, you, gotta, you if you had so much to do, you would have done it. Now you're just sitting around saying you got stuff to do. And I'll tell you one of the great, that was for somebody this morning. One of the greatest things you can do to make room for Jesus is to be spiritually transformed. And the way that you get spiritually transformed, you clean out your old way of thinking. This is what God requires is that if you're going to live for Jesus and walk with Jesus, you've got to have a, a new way of thinking. The way that you think before Jesus doesn't work when you're with Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You've got to clean out the old Clean out the old. Get rid of it, man. You, you can't expect to bring your old stuff with you and then all of a sudden be able to, to live for Jesus. This is why the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. You have got to start to see things differently and transform your mind into the mind of Christ and see him move. Make room in your mind for Jesus. Start seeing things spiritually and see what happens. Spiritually, let me show you scripture. In in 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have received, this is Christians, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That's what it says. It also says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man, that means people that aren't Christians, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. They're foolishness. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. What do I mean by this? It's been true forever, but I just feel like all scriptures are more true now. You, you, if you are not this way, you need to start being this way. You need to think of yourself as a spiritual being living a natural existence. Think of yourself as a spiritual being living a natural existence. What do I mean by that? Is that if you've been saved and you've been transformed, you've been made a new creation, now your spirit body, your spirit, or excuse me, your spirit man is living inside of a natural body here, but this is not your home. Like you're going to go somewhere else, you're going to be somewhere else. And what happens is, and if you don't think of things in a spiritual sense, you think of them in a natural sense, you see what the natural world is doing and you're overcome with it because you're not looking at it with spiritual eyes. If you look at it with spiritual eyes, like, oh, (laughs) oh, UFOs, whatever. I don't know what it is, but I know I'm a spiritual being living in a natural world. I know I'm in this world, but not of this world. I know I can be made well. I know that Jesus can, I know I've made room for Jesus. I don't know what these weirdos are. It's always going to be something, man. Have you not figured that out yet? Whatever it is now is not what it's going to be then. And you're going to wish you'd go back to now. So it wasn't what they're going to do then. Just be above it. Just be like, you know, man, y'all can have it, man. I'm spiritual. I'm not even, I'm I'm on another plane, man. Here's the question. When was the last time you were going through it and thought with your mind, I need Jesus here? Instead of blowing up and freaking out and do what you normally do, just be like, you know what, man? I'm making room for Jesus here. 
I'm going to get rid of some things. I'm going to get rid of some people. I'm going to get rid of some thoughts. I'm going to get rid of my old way of thinking. I'm going to get rid of it. I got, I got to make room for Jesus. Jesus, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. When, when's the last time you looked at your schedule and thought, you know what? This is a distraction. I'm not doing that anymore. When's the last time you had a hobby and said, you know what? This hobby is a distraction. I'm not doing that anymore. This relationship, distraction. Unless you're married. That's not a distraction. You're locked in now, man. Make it work. But there's people in your life that really shouldn't be in your life. You know it, man. When's the last time you just went? Because in your house, man, there's two types of people, keepers and throwers. Me, I'm a keeper. I love keeping it. Where are my keepers at? Yeah, keep it all. And then my throwers, where are you guys at? You guys have burned it all. You probably go on vacation with a toothbrush. Me, I'm like, I'm bringing everything. You know what I mean? I just, I just, it's true, isn't it? I just love keeping my set. You never know when you're going to need it. You know what I mean? Right? I mean, that VCR, I'm going to use it. It will. That turntable, I might, work, 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 work. You know what I mean? I might get back there. But you know, Crystal and I, Crystal's actually really good at this at our house is that, do we throw stuff out all the time? We go to the dump and we just get rid of stuff, man. Stuff that, that, that people would say like, oh, well, it probably had some value. Did it? Did it have some value? Cause it cluttered our life. Learn what sunk cost means. That means you're never going to get the money back no matter what. That's why we don't do garage sales, nothing against those people, but we just don't do it. We're just like, you know, man, we'll just give it away. We'll just get rid of it. We just, we, we need less clutter in our lives. We need clarity. We just, we don't want to have to deal with it. We just want to get rid of it. We don't want to have to deal with it anymore. See, the Bible says in 1 John 2, 27, it says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true and is not a lie, just as it is taught to you, you will abide in him. What does he mean by that? If you abide in Jesus, you'll learn all this. You have a spiritual mind and you're like, you know, man, I need to do some changes here. I need to make some room for Jesus. I need him to be able to move. And I know I need to, to, to get rid of this stuff because if you're walking with Jesus, you listen to Jesus and you make room for him. And when you make room for him, you begin to live this spiritual existence where you're like, you know what, man, I think we need to take a different route. I I think we need to go by and stop by. I think we need to make a phone call. I I think we need to give them this. I think that we need to, uh, this is what God is telling us to do right now. But if you haven't made room for Jesus and you're not living a spiritual life, you're not going to live that type of existence. But if you do live a spiritual life and you are renewed, then all of a sudden you can see things in a spiritual way. On the other side, you see God move because you made room for him and you saw him move. Because here's what happens. This is the last scripture and then we'll get out of here. If you don't restrict your mind and schedule, the world will suck the truth of the scriptures out of you. It just will. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and then the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. Now, uh, uh, someone this week was uh, bold enough to, uh, and, and, and I always have to caveat these things because people will hear a sermon like, that's what I'm doing. Don't do, you do what God told you to do. But someone I know quit a job this week that was supposed to be a dream job. They're so excited to get the job, thought it was going to be a great job, and they got in there like, this is thing is spiritually destroying me. And so it doesn't matter how much it pays. It doesn't matter how much it does. I got to be right with Jesus. 
Being right with Jesus is better than any paycheck. Being right with Jesus is better than some sort of lofty dream. And, and again, I don't know what the, what the drastic thing is that you need to do in your life. And I'm not, please don't quit your job tomorrow. But if, if you make room for Jesus, you're going to see Jesus move. You are. But you got, you got to make room for him. You got to say, you want man? Nope. Now I got room for Jesus. Now I got room for him to be able to move. Now I got room to be able to see him do it. Make room for Jesus in your heart. Make room for Jesus in your schedule and your plans and in your thoughts and watch what he'll do. She shall live. You can believe for somebody else. I shall live. You can believe for yourself. And lastly, make room for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, we always end our services with inviting you to become one. And it's really quite easy. If you're a Christian, you are not. If you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, you want, I want that Jesus power in my life. I want to be forgiven of my sins and I want to live for him. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do it for the first time, this is a place where we would like to pray with you that you would be transformed and your life would never be the same. So if you'd like to give your life to Jesus today, you can just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be a Christian. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision for the first time? ask at our church too is that maybe you've been far from God and when I say far from God I always like to clarify like you know the truth you've been in the truth but man you've just found yourself over the last couple years you're just like man I've been lost I want to be back with Jesus I want to I want to live in his grace and friend he loved you while you were his enemy how much more does he love you now but if you're if you're ready to come back to Jesus and I'm not we're not being superstitious here. This isn't like a, hey, I want to feel good today and then go back to my life of sin. Direction change, man. You want to come back to Jesus and walk differently after today. If you need to, want, if you want to make that decision today, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Now, for the rest of us, I know that God spoke something to you. Who do you need to believe for that you're not believing for? Who do you need to, what, what do you need to believe for yourself, man? And then lastly, what do you need to get out of your life to make room for Jesus? Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for this word. God, we thank you that you're just gosh, you're such a right on time, God. God, and we thank you for this. God, we pray that it would go down into our spirit. We live for you in Jesus' name. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.